This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Hello and welcome to Nursing World Shared Practice Forum. My name is Lisa Morrissey and I'm the nurse manager for Hematology Oncology and the director of the Global Nursing Fellowship at Boston Children's Hospital. Today we're going to be discussing global health nursing and strategies to develop sustainable global nursing partnerships. To provide some background, Boston Children's doctors and nurses have been promoting child health in resource-limited countries for many years through program-led initiatives or mission trips with local NGOs or other organizations. In 2013, the Boston Children's Global Health Program was formalized as a means to collaborate with our international partners to promote pediatric health care delivery through education, research, and advocacy. The Global Nursing Fellowship began last year and is in its second cohort. With me today are four of the Global Nursing Fellows, Beverly Small, Marilyn Moonen, Colleen Nixon, and Alexis Schmid to talk about strategies to develop sustainable global nursing partnerships. Ladies, welcome. Thank you for coming today. Uh, Beverly, you've been doing global health for many years through the cardiovascular program. Can you talk a little bit about what sparked your interest in global health? Several years ago, Dr. Patty Hickey was called by another cardiovascular surgical program that they needed some help to go to Nicaragua with some senior nurses. And fortunately, Patty had asked if I would be one of the senior nurses to go on this trip, which started off a lifetime goal. Thank you. Lexi, how about you? Sure. Um, I started my nursing career here at Boston Children's in 2006 as a new graduate nurse. And um, in the emergency department, I developed skills and knowledge about how to take care of emergency patients and trauma patients in the pediatric and young adult population. A few years later, I was selected by a nursing supervisor to be part of Boston Children's Hospital's response team to um, assist in the aftermath of the 2010 uh, Haiti earthquake. And working in a field hospital really resonated deeply with me. Uh, to improve health in, of individuals both locally and abroad. And this experience helped me, um, prompted me to develop a career in global health nursing going forward. Thank you. How about you, Colleen? What, tell, talk about your first experience. So I, I think that kind of even going back a little bit farther, I always was interested in global health, but thought as a pediatric oncology nurse, what could I really contribute? Um, you can't really go and give chemotherapy for a week or two and then come back home or even, you know, a couple months. So I really didn't appreciate what I could contribute to global health. And then as we started exploring it more and more, thinking about the educational um, piece that I could share, that my um, expertise in pediatric oncology, what I could share, and that's what I really felt like I could bring. And really the first opportunity was going with you to Tanzania um, many, many years ago, and um, the other trips we've taken from there and what we've learned um, from going that first time. Marilyn, how about you? I first became involved with global health through Operation Smile, and um, I've been on many trips with them. Uh, Lexi, last year, as one of the Global Nursing Fellows, you focused your attention in Haiti, um, teaching nurses how to be critical care nurses. 
Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the challenges that you faced or what the nurses' experience was in Haiti? There are a number of challenges when educating nurses overseas. One of the challenges we faced when implementing nursing education worldwide includes communication barriers. These include some that you would anticipate, such as language obstacles requiring translation of materials, as well as connectivity issues when you're trying to coordinate communication across multiple time zones and over sometimes not reliable internet access. Um, logistics can also be a challenge when trying to coordinate travel arrangements and housing for multiple travelers. Uh, by working closely with well-established organizations and local staff, I received guidance navigating their systems and understanding local practices. It was through these mechanisms that we were uh, able to easily address local staff's needs and be able to build sustainable relationships around the world. Thank you. Marilyn, as a Global Nurse Fellow, you spent time in Yangon, Myanmar, and also in Ghana. What was your experience of um, how nurses work in those resource-limited areas? Um, Bev and I actually were in Myanmar together, and um, I have a great story. Um, we were trying to teach um, the culture of safety in one of our conferences, and trying to teach the nurses how to speak up for safety and communicate clearly. And in Myanmar, um, they have a very low amount of money provided um, to the patients for their the health care. And if a, if a patient needs prescriptions, they need to go to the pharmacy and buy the medications. And even if they need surgery, they are given a prescription for the, um, the bandages, the gauze, everything. So in this particular case, we were talking about um, speaking up for safety, and a physician actually stood up and started talking about a situation where a nurse had confronted her. A patient was receiving the wrong medication and was not getting better. In fact, the patient was retaining fluid and just getting sicker and sicker until a nurse realized that the patient was taking the wrong medication. The father had gone to the pharmacy with the script that he was given, purchased the medication, and was giving the patient the medication. The nurse noticed that, brought the physician, and the physician realized she had written the wrong medication. In a country like Myanmar, nurses don't stand up to physicians and point out errors. And this was a huge, huge turning point, and it took a lot of courage for the physician to stand up in front of a room of people and admit that she had made an error, and then to encourage the nurses in the room to bring these types of things up. And after our conference, there was so much talk about, you know, nurses confronting people and talking about mistakes and errors. And even after we left, um, through email and text messages, the conversation continued. So this is the way to um, affect change and grow leadership and really make a difference in the world. Bev, you've been involved in many different global health initiatives through Boston Children's. Could you talk a little bit about some of the models that you've used and how you have partnered with international sites? One of the big projects that I've been involved in is International Quality Improvement Collaborative, which is involved with 
sites throughout the world, different regions doing pediatric cardiac surgery and collecting the data that shows changes that can be made. So through all the data, we've been able to come up with webinars and it started originally with doing webinars for nurses and it's evolved into going from nurses to respiratory therapists, pharmacists and perfusionists to improve the outcomes of pediatric cardiac surgery. Um, throughout this, when we go to do site visits, we're doing a lot of just-in-time teaching with the nurses, going and working with them on communication tools, things to improve their practice. And it's also um, demonstrated also through our webinars. They see the webinars once a month, and then they all are connected to people at Children's to send emails and answer further questions during the year. Thank you. Colleen, how about some of the models for pediatric oncology? Obviously, um, I think we learned in Tanzania that two weeks is really not long enough to form a relationship and provide ongoing education. What are some, what are some of the strategies that have been used? This year, as my, as a Global Health Fellow, we're going to hopefully do a lot of the webinars and online education. Um, something that I just learned at another conference, sort of flipping the classroom, where we'll give some of the nurses the education ahead of time to prepare, and then we'll go in when I get there and try and do the skill stations there. So really trying to think, you know, how can I, as an educator, help to educate these nurses and from afar, and then um, when I actually get there and working with, the with some of the other nurses in Tanzania in the program to help uh, to work on their skills. So you'll be using the model of building a NICU, PICU curriculum like Lexi's team did in Haiti to develop a pediatric oncology nursing curriculum. That's what we're hoping, yep. We'd like to turn to the audience now and ask a question. When you reply, could you please leave your city and country location. The question is this, what are some of the models that your institution has used to, to partner with nurses in resource limited settings? And now we rejoin our conversation. Lexi, when you went to Haiti, you brought a team of nurses, many who had not been in a resource limited setting before. How do you prepare and how do you prepare others? Sure. So optimal teaching methods for and necessary content for preparing global health nurses for fieldwork are yet to be determined. Um, there's wide variability in the nature, duration, and teaching modalities for preparing global health nurses for their uh, time abroad. Uh, preparation generally includes education about indigenous diseases, health and safety concerns, and logistics once uh, staff are on the ground. However, ethical considerations and strategies to promote cross-cultural competency and exchange of ideas are also very important. By working closely with nurses before they depart and understanding their background and experience, I'm able to more easily mentor them into their time abroad so they have a safe, successful, and collaborative experience. We recently uh, put on a project um, in collaboration with staff in Haiti, and one thing that worked really well was having nurses go through an orientation with our Children's Hospital Global Health Program, as well as spend at least two hours with myself or one of the other project leaders to more um, succinctly uh, answer their questions and be able to prepare each individual for their experience. Marilyn, how about you? What, what types of things do you do to prepare before you go visit a hospital in another country? Well, I think there are a number of things. I, I think that 
first and foremost, you need to be flexible. Um, when you go in, no matter how much you prepare, um, I, I like to do a needs assessment before I go to see, I, I also do the education. So I like to do a needs assessment to see what it is um, the group feels as though they, they would want for education. But then bring much, much more so that when you get there and they say, oh, we really didn't want that, we want this, you have that in your little pocket of tricks. And to, not, and to bring um, all different types of education. So you have hands-on, um, you have you have materials for um, the visual learner, the auditory learner, the kinesthetic learner. You, you have all sorts of things. Um, also to be resourceful and not assuming that the United States or your Western country knows the best um, because we don't. You know, you, you, you will learn so much from the country that you're going to. I've heard many nurses say that going to resources, limited settings has made them a better nurse when they come home to Boston because of what you learn from the nurses in other sites. We learn a lot from what nurses, uh, how they strategize to take good care of their patients where they work. I think we all have the same goals, right? We want to take good care of our patients and we just, they just are a little bit different. You know, the, that the goals are the same, but the way that we get to those goals to be able to care for our patients, you know, we all just have to do it a little bit differently. Marilyn, that reminds me of when we were in Myanmar, we noticed that the nurses are giving chemotherapy through peripheral IVs because central lines are very expensive. Um, and one of the problems with that is that uh, chemotherapy can cause burns uh, or extravasations. So we worked with the nurse, uh, the lead nurse there, to talk about how we could minimize the extravasation rate. And she started a project where she's collecting data monthly now on the number of vesicants that they give, the number of extravasations they have, and coming up with a, a monthly rate. So this is a quality project that really came out of looking at what are the challenges that they face. And it's really wonderful because now they're planning to, whenever a new nurse orients to the oncology unit, they will get a formal training in how to give chemotherapy through a peripheral IV, which hopefully will minimize the complication rate of extravasations, which can cause serious harm to patients. So Lisa, this is a perfect example of a quality indicator, something that we've struggled with in pediatric oncology programs, um, programs all over the uh, world that use peripheral IVs to give um, vesicant chemotherapy. So um, again, using this indicator to um, track the rates of extravasations. Yeah, and hopefully what they're doing in Myanmar, other centers can learn from this and um, choose this as a quality indicator as well. Another example of this is through the International Quality Improvement Collaboration is something simple, even though we're just teaching cardiac, we're not. We had a webinar on hand hygiene and it's affected throughout the hospital. Hospitals around the world have taken that webinar and changed it into their own language and their own ways of being champions of hand time genes. So it affects a whole community and a whole hospital with all the teaching that we end up doing and not just our own specialties. Yes, and that's something that's transferable to any program around the world. Hand hygiene is really the first step to improving patient care.
Bev, you've been involved with the Hearts and Minds Project in Kumasi, Ghana for over 10 years. Can you tell us a little bit about that project and how you've been able to work with nurses in Kumasi? That project started by one of the surgeons at Boston Children's Hospital grew up in Ghana. And his goal, if he ever became a surgeon, he would always go back. And fortunately, again, I was asked with another two other girls to go over and help start the project. And the project has now been going on for 10 years. We've operated on 112 kids. And they, we've now gone back and researched them to see how they're doing. 97% of these children are going back to school in an active community. So it continues on, and we've been busy teaching the nurses, the ICU nurses, set up a first pediatric ICU in West Africa, and we were the first people to do open-heart surgery on children there. The nurses have, over the years, learned how to communicate and do all the skills, so we are being replaced by them slowly. And that's really the goal, is that through this education and partnership, eventually they will independently be able to perform cardiac surgery with your support and mentoring. Colleen, pediatric oncology nursing is very specialized. And one of the challenges that we've talked about is that often nurses don't receive the specialized training um, they need to care best for their patients. What are some of the strategies you've used to educate pediatric oncology nurses? All of our nurses um, that go through our pediatric oncology program, and really across the United States and a lot of um, now the world uh, take part in a two-day uh, standardized education chemotherapy and biotherapy course. And we've been able to translate a lot of that information when we're giving education so that, p that nurses are getting a baseline education before they're giving chemotherapy. And it's something that we struggled with here for a long time, you know, um, that we would provide education, but really this two-day standardized, formalized education is really the backbone of everybody's orientation. And that's really what we're working with when we go to a lot of um, these sites around the world to, to really have a baseline, you know, so that everybody has that same starting education. And of course, then there's orientation to um, the hospital that people work in, but this baseline. And the nice thing about this is a lot of this we can do online. We can provide this education as either a webinar or some type of in-service um, so that we don't have to go there to provide this, that we can do this ahead of time and that it gives the nurses an opportunity to be able to ask questions. Um, you know, they can hear the information and a week later ask us a question or a month later if something comes up. So we can really have some dialogue around this education. So helping nurses have the tools they need before they care for children with cancer. Yeah. Uh, how to administer chemotherapy safely, how to manage the side effects, um, what to look for for certain diseases. Yeah. What are the complications to expect? And the safety issues, too. I mean, we're giving really toxic drugs, and how can these nurses take care of themselves? Marilyn, you've been involved in a lot of short mission trips, such as Operation SMILE, before the Global Nursing Fellowship, and also have seen the model of building long-term sustainable partnerships. What do you see as the difference between these two models for providing global health care? I see advantages um, with both. So with the um, short mission trips, you see a, a child who, for example, in this case, has a cleft lip. So a group can come in and for a 45-minute surgery can change 
that child's life. Um, I've worked um, with um, a woman in Vietnam who had a terrible um, cleft um, who we repaired. And um, after the surgery, she said to me, um, this is the first time that I'll be able to kiss my husband. So, you know, when you figure that if you give your time to help with something like that, it can change somebody's life. I think there are advantages to that. And in the background, um, a lot of those missions um, have been turned over to local missions. So the surgeons are working um, side by side with local surgeons and the nurses working side by side with local nurses. At one point, we were teaching um, a course called Helping Babies Breathe. And um, this course, you teach um, a group of people how to resuscitate a baby in the first minute. They're providing education yes. w during the trip to yeah. the local team. It's just that the same nurses aren't going back to the same places and are not building that kind of relationship. The difference for me is that in building these sustainable relationships, it's been fantastic to be able to go back to a place over and over again and also communicate, whether it be through email or social media, and be able to build on what the nurses need to know or want to know, and just really see them growing and being able to be a part of that and being able to provide them with what they need and being able to help pass that on to the next nurses that are going to step into the role of going to Myanmar, for example. Yes, I, I would say one of the most rewarding things for me is when we do identify nurse leaders I've received um, a lot of photographs of some of the nurses doing the Helping Babies Breathe course. And it's amazing to see um, some of these nurses, just whether they're working in the hospital or going out into the community and teaching um, other people how to save babies. And we will never really know the extent of how many babies are being saved because of this. Exactly. So. That's really pretty incredible. So um, we recently, in 2016, did a large project in collaboration with Partners in Health and the Haitian Ministry of Health that focused on nursing education, specifically neonatal critical care and pediatric critical care. And we uh, wrote a curriculum with local staff that um, was a 26-week course on uh, critical care concepts and pathophysiology. The course um, brought nurses from all around the country to one site where they had one in-class day per student per week as well as one day where they were mentored in a two or three to one ratio with a um, Boston Children's nurse or a local um, content expert in translating the knowledge that they learned in class to the bedside.
Yeah, they just felt so, um, they came up to us after and they just felt so empowered in their practice. The nice thing with Tanzania is that um, connection, I guess is probably the best word, has really sustained itself over, those, over the years. I don't think in the way we envisioned it initially, um, but we were a year later, as you remember, able to bring one of the nurses from Tanzania to present at a conference with us, which was pretty awesome that, you know, the three of us presented about our experience. And I think that, you know, that's something that the three of us will always remember as sort of a highlight of our uh, experience in Tanzania. I have two examples. We recently were there, Lisa and I and Marilyn in Ghana, and we were walking down the hall and a nurse was walking a patient, a 17-year-old boy, and she had the biggest smile just to walk by to say, we operated on him without you guys and look at him walking. And it was such a tearful moment for me to say they knew it, they learned it. There was an experience that Marilyn and I did. We taught helping babies breathe in Ghana. And like she said before, you never know how many kids you will save. But through social media, one of the nurses emailed us or contacted us to tell us that what we taught them saved a kid. He was in the back of a cab. A lady started delivering a breech baby and he used the tools that we taught to save this kid. So one more life saved from teaching nurses. We'd like to turn to the audience now and ask a question. 
When you reply, could you please leave your city and country location? The question is this, does your institution have a formal global health program? And if so, could you share a little bit about what it's like? I'd like to thank my panel members for joining us today and for all those in the audience who joined us for this discussion about global health nursing. Please be sure to spread the word about Open Pediatrics to your colleagues. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org. Thank you.